Today we're going to finish up our Work is Worship sermon series. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. We'll start in Genesis chapter 2. And we're talking about work. We've been talking about how work is not something that Satan gives us to distract us from what is really important. If we love God and hate our job, we can tend to really separate our faith because it's hard to find God in difficult situations. It is. It's hard. We wonder, where'd you go? And sometimes we just... Worship the Lord on Sundays, we connect with him on the weekends, we connect in the evenings, maybe before we pray, before we go and we get to work, we say, where are you? And so we've been looking at how we can overcome that and have a faith uh, which lasts through the nine to five, connecting our work to our worship. Work, worship, is certainly more, worship is certainly more than work, but it's not meant to be less. Our work is meant to be a testimony to the Lord that we serve, to the master that we have, and how good that he is. And so in this sermon series, we've been talking about how to connect work to our worship. And one of the ways uh, that we connect our work to our worship is that we stop working. Uh, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Now the seventh day would be Saturday. We're teaching our kids the days. They almost always miss one. Usually it's like Thursday. And okay, let's do it again. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. If you count those out, you get to the seventh day and that's Saturday. That's the day that God made holy. Why are we here today? If you notice, it's not Saturday. It's Sunday. This is one of the most amazing things about Christianity. If Christianity was not true, none of these people would have started worshiping on Sunday. God had given this, them, them this command. They took it seriously. They took it 100% seriously. They took it super seriously. If you want to turn, uh, let's, let's uh, flip the slide to Exodus 31. This is how seriously they took this commandment. You are to speak to the people of Israel. This is God speaking to Moses. And above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Above, above what? <laughs> above all! Above all, you should keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So God gives them, uh, God rests from his work. He works six days. He rested on the seventh day. He tells them to rest on the Sabbath as well. Keep my Sabbaths above all. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. God gives them this command to rest. It's in the Ten Commandments. Going down to verse 8 of chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, let the animals rest too. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And so these people, they took it seriously. God takes it seriously. He gives them the Sabbath. Why in the world are we here on a Sunday? Because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. 
That's when Jesus rose from the dead. And because that was true, because that was so powerful, all of the people said Jesus is the Messiah that they've been talking about. We're going to start worshiping God on a Sunday. You, you've read the Bible before, I'm sure. You've seen these people, how serious they are about the Sabbath. We're going to take a look at some of these verses here today. They were so serious, they added all these other laws. They, they got more stringent. They got too strict about the Sabbath to get these people. And that's who started worshiping God on a Sunday was these, many of these Jewish people, right? To get these people to change, it would take a resurrection. It would take an absolute miracle to get these people to change. And that's what God did. He, he rose from the grave on a Sunday. And so Christians switched their day to Sunday to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And God rested, and he modeled to us to rest. Now, this is a blessing, right? This is a blessing. And if you've got to work later today... <laughs> If you got a lot, if you got your plans all filled, your calendar all filled with other things other than God today, you're going to feel a little convicted. In fact, you might feel a little um, challenged and you might feel a little guilty, right? As we're going to be talking about this. And so we're going to talk about all those different things, why you might be feeling that way. One of the reasons why you might be feeling that way is because you have to work today. Like you don't even have a choice. Right? You have to come in. Boss has said you got to come in. You might own your own business, and you might have to have work today to make that business float. And that's where you're feeling. You're feeling trapped, right? I, these command, this is meant to be a blessing, but right now it's feeling like a restriction I don't want to have to deal with. Some of us are in a position where it feels like we are having to do this, having to work. Uh, you might have an emergency that has come up that you need to work to solve. Other times, we might feel we're sitting here, we're looking at the plans of our day, and it's not filled with rest, and it's not filled, filled with God. It's filled with lots of different activities. And why do we have different activities on the Lord's day? Well, the answer is we've got idols. Some of us feel like we have to work. Others are doing it because we are having idols. We're working to get that bigger house. We're working to get that better car. We're working so we can feel more of that security in our bank account. For some of us, we're feeling forced. For others, like we're driven to do it because we've got idols before the Lord. There's a lot of different idols that we can have. For some of us, it's our kids. We're not resting on the Lord's day because we idolize our children. And we have a culture which puts children and children's activities above the Lord as well. I felt that already. I remember we joined baseball. I, have, I, I really want to say our life has been blessed so much by baseball. Uh, sports are wonderful. They teach kids discipline. I mean, they're just fantastic. And that's why we tend to idolize them. We usually don't idolize bad things, do we? We idolize things that are good. And we take this thing that's good and we put it above God. I'm telling you, we love this baseball team. But all of a sudden, every time I turn around, we're having to practice on Sunday on Easter. <laughs> like, wait a minute. We're having to practice on Sunday on Mother's Day. Oh, wait a minute. We're having to practice on, on every Sunday. And it's a challenge. Right? Our culture is going to push us to put our kids above the Lord. We might have an idol of affluence, security, children, our careers. But pretty much... Aren't we all exhausted? <laughs> I mean, really, aren't we all so exhausted? And the reason why is because we're not following the Lord's command. We're not following the Lord's example. God rested because it's good. But because we've got so many idols, we can feel like God's command is bad. You know, it wasn't long ago when I grew up that all of the stores were closed. 
I grew up and all of the stores were closed. I remember this. It was like, oh, we need something. And oh, but it's Sunday. We can't get it. What a different world. It's crazy to think that that's the way everything was. And then the world changed. The Walmarts came in, the Home Depots came in, all these corporations. They don't care about the Lord. They started working people on Sundays. Started defying God's commandments. Pretty soon everyone's doing it. What an amazing culture that we love the Lord so much that at one point we all followed this. It seems like a dream. Did we really live in a world that was like that? You know, we're going to do a sermon series on 1 Samuel coming up. I'm super excited to do that series and go uh, chapter by chapter for the most part through 1 Samuel through the fall. And we're going to highlight different points. And so we're going to have different titles for that sermon series as we go. But if you look at King Saul and you look at his life, he starts off all on fire for the Lord. And by the end, he's, he's just completely dead set, against, <laughs> dead set against God. And it's a slow fade. A little here, a little there, and pretty soon he's completely disconnected from God. And that's our culture. Over my lifetime, I look back and I think, was life really like that? Did we really love other people so much that we didn't make them work on Sundays? Did we really have that kind of care and concern that I would pass up my own desires, my own desires that I would stay home and not demand that they work? If you've noticed, Labor Day was originally made to celebrate labor and give people laborers a day off. But as time goes on, Labor Day is becoming a day for the rich to get the day off and for the poor to go serve. The rich want their entertainment options. And so they want that income. And so they even force their employees to work and other rich people go out and do things on Labor Day. Sunday is the same way. If you look at it, God gives, uh, if, you, uh, if you look at Exodus chapter 20, God gives who this message? He gives Moses this message. Moses wrote this. And who is Moses leading? He is leading a slave nation out of the nation of Egypt. Egypt is the wealthiest, most powerful nation on earth. What do they want? Revenue. And so what did they do? They worked their slaves all week. In the ancient world, it was pretty rare for anyone to ever take a day off. This was unheard of. And you never got a day off if you were a slave. If you were in the elite class, you probably didn't work almost at all. But if you were a slave, if you are in that other class of people, you worked all the time. And here God brings Israel out of Egypt, and he gives Moses this revelation of creation. And he tells this, and tells Moses, you're not going to be like that, right? You give everybody a day off. Your son, your daughter, the slaves, your animals. You give everybody a day off. And that's God's vision for our culture. To love other people enough that we don't force anybody to work. That we don't do this, that we love everybody enough that we take the day off and we all try to take the same day off so that we can worship together. So you can worship together as a church and so we can go home and continue that worship as a family. God sets apart this seventh day and he makes it holy. He rests because it's good. He rests because it's good for us to do that. And as you look at your calendar and you see all the things that you thought were good and you look at that and you compare them to the Lord, your idols will fall. Suddenly baseball doesn't seem so important. 
suddenly getting that extra thing done doesn't seem so important. On a very basic level, it's good to rest. This day is a day of rest, but it's more than that. It's a day of holy. If we can go to the next slide, the word is, is in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew is, is Shabbat, right? It's a noun. It means to cease or stop. And so there's a, you know, in that is implicit that we stop working, we physically rest. But there's more than that. But at the very basic level, we need to physically rest. Why? Why do we need to physically rest? Well, because our spirits are connected to our bodies. Everything in life is spiritual. Our bodies are connected to our spirits. Whatever we do with our bodies affects our spirits. And so that's why the Bible says, you know, when you pray, you know, you get down on your knees. Get your body on your knees when you pray. Because when you change the position of your body, you begin to change the position of your spirit. When you humble your body before God and you physically bow, it changes your spirit into a position of humility as well. And our spirits are not our bodies. And our spiritual life is not our physical life. However, it's all part of the same thing. When we kneel, we pray. When you come to worship, um, if I can just quote Ken Gensel real quick again, Ken has a great testimony. I was chatting with him about baptism. He had a lot of great uh, different quotes that he said. One of them, he goes, sometimes when we're singing these songs on Sunday, I, I don't know why we're not all up at the altar on our knees in tears. Because it's so good. And when you come to worship, if you want to connect with the Lord, do something physically with your body. Raise your hands in worship. Come up at the altar and kneel. Do it. Because as we change our body's position, it changes our spirit's position. When we're engaged in doing something with our physical bodies, that will affect our spirits. And when we're always engaged in work and busyness, that will affect our spirits too. If we're physically too exhausted, we will feel spiritually exhausted. We need to say no to our idols And we need to cease. We need to stop. There's a lot of no's in the Bible. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Why is that? Because God's got a big yes. You got to say no to all these things so that you can say yes to the Lord. And you're going to have to say no to your coach. You're going to have to say no to your boss. You're going to have to say no to your customers. You're going to have to say no, and it's going to feel hard. You're going to have to say no to yourself because your sinful desires are going to lead you astray. You're going to have to say no to all these different things to get yourself physically rested and get yourself in a position spiritually to connect with God. And then you don't just stop physically. It's a spiritual day. He made it holy. The Sabbath is not a nap. I love taking a nap on Sundays. It's fantastic. That's just the beginning, right? That's the beginning. That's not the long and short of it. You rest for a greater purpose so you can connect with the Lord. He sets the seventh day apart and says it's holy, meant for God's use. I've got a house with a lot of kids. I can barely get anything set apart for my use. I've got a desk. I go on my desk, where's my stuff? Well, the kids had to sit there because they're doing homeschool. Why did they need to go into my drawers? But they did. I can't, I can't get, where's my things? I can't get anything set apart for my use. I've got a socket set in the garage. 
And the kids love it. I'm out there, and they want to be where I'm at. They want to be where Dan's at. And they want to play with a socket set. I'm like, I got you all these toys. They're fantastic. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this thing? I don't know. They, they rearrange it. They click clack. They do whatever, and they love it. And it's so hard for me to set something apart. But I got to, because it's mine. It's mine. You can't have that. I give you everything, but you can't have this. You can have 42 of those sockets, but the 17 millimeter one is mine. All right, that's the one that gets the oil plug out. Get your hands off it. I put it up high. Back off. (laughs) You better be happy with the other 41 I gave you. But we're not. (laughs) As human beings, we're not. And so we reach for that other one to take it too. If you're busy, I understand. I've got five kids. There's people to save, churches to run. It's busy. But if you want to start working on the Lord's day, you're using that tool for the wrong use. You want to get some work done and you reach for Monday, good job. Thursday, good job. Saturday, good job. You reach for Sunday. You've reached for the wrong tool. You're using it wrong. That's not what God created it for. And this is God's day and it's supposed to be for him, not because he's selfish. Give me my day. (laughs) Not because he's generous. Because he knows what's good for you. And what's good for you is him. This is great. We're going to read next week about (laughs) Elkanah. If you want to... If you want to get ahead in the sermons, read 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 for next week. Elkanah thinks he's so amazing. He thinks he's so amazing. His wife is sad. And he comes up and goes, baby, why are you sad? You got me. (laughs) Any person who says that is nuts. They're nuts. But when God says that, he's not nuts. He's good. Because it's true. And when God is jealous for us, when he's demanding of us, when he says, no, 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 it's because he's good and he's good for us. He's so good and he knows it. And so he says, put that day back. That one's mine. And this is good for you. The purpose is God. And we don't just rest and we don't just come to church, but we connect with God. I've heard that phrase a few times this week, the electricity of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Corey mentioned it, and then I was talking with a friend on the phone, my friend Randy, he was talking about it. And it just reminded me of the electricity I feel when I am in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. When I was listening to those testimonies, I got the electricity of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to say that's for everybody. I don't know. Everybody's different when they connect with the Holy Spirit, or some, you know, some of us are different than others. Some people, when they connect with the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. Some people feel like, whatever it is. But the Holy Spirit is real. And this is a day to connect with him. And when we go home, you know, I, I, I had a good friend who grew up in a, in a Christian school. She was taught by my mom. And she graduated from school and everything. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. She graduated and she, she walked away from her faith in college. I said, why? She said, well, I realized there's just group euphoria. You know, I'd come to church and I would connect with the, and then I'd go home and there's nothing. And I was like, do you never experience the personal euphoria? 
of Jesus? First of all, I hope you connect with the group euphoria in church that's called the Holy Spirit. And we're in a spiritual battle, and you've got to take ground. And you've got to take it steps at a time. Come to church. Put your heart into it. Raise your hands. Seek the Lord. Repent of your sins. Come up to the altar. Weep. Dance. Jump. Shout. Do whatever you've got to do, because this is how important it is to connect with God. You've got to take some ground back, and it starts here in the congregation with each other, and it starts, uh, frankly, with the laying on of hands. It starts with, if you read through the book of Acts, the laying on of hands almost always accompanies the giving of the Holy Spirit. And after this sermon, during the next song, we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward. If no one has ever laid their hands on you, we're having a baptism today. Baptism is a celebration of what's happened in our heart. It's a celebration of salvation. We are saved. But the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what's really important. What's not, what's not what's important is not going under the water and coming back out. What's important is what the Lord has done in our heart. And when the Holy Spirit comes in our heart and our sins are washed away and we receive that Holy Spirit and you feel that electricity or whatever, like that's what's important. If you've never had anyone lay your hands on you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, during this next song, we're going to have people come forward to pray for you. And if you want the Holy Spirit in your life, come on forward. We'll lay our hands on you and pray. Sometimes it works immediately. Other times it works over time. Sometimes I've seen that it hasn't worked at all. But this is what the Bible tells us to do. And I know when I received the Holy Spirit, there were people laying their hands on me praying that I would receive that Holy Spirit. And I got ground back in my life. Uh, After Lath and Jeff and uh, Annette, if um, we could have you guys come up after this sermon to pray. I got some ground back in my life. And then what I did is I went home and I connected with the Lord there too. I got some more ground back. I gained some more ground. It started with the believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit and they gave it to me and then I took it home. And I could connect with God there too. Suddenly I was feeling the electricity of the Holy Spirit at home. I would sit down, I'd read the word. I would sing hymns. I grew up singing hymns. (laughs) I stole a hymn book from church and took it home. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm sure they would have given it if I asked. <laughs> I was an immature believer. It was like, yoink. <laughs> and I would sit there and I'd connect with the Lord and i feel his presence. And you know, there's plenty, most of the time, I'm honestly just sitting there quiet because once I start to feel his presence, I don't want to move. And I just sit there and I enjoy him. And I enjoy it. It feels so good to be forgiven. It feels so good to be free. It feels so good to be near him. I just sit there and be near him. And you take ground back. That's what this sermon series is about too. Then you bring it to work. Then you bring it to the baseball team. But first, you've got to connect with Jesus. We need a revival in our nation. We once loved the Lord so much that we all took a day off so we could do this. Wouldn't it be great if we went back? Nehemiah 13 is, a, is, a, Nehemiah is an amazing book. If you ever want to sit there and think about what God's plan is for a nation, right? Why nations exist. Read Nehemiah. Here Nehemiah looks at his nation, his culture. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath. What? 
They're using the wrong tool. They're doing work and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys. What? Don't they know? Don't they know what's... They need to stop. They need to rest to connect with the Lord. I warned them on the day when they sold food. The Tyrenes, you got these other people too. They're not the people of God. You got the people of God doing it. That's terrible. You got other people too. We should be reaching out to them. We should be giving them God's message of goodness. You know, the, hey, Tyrenes, God is so good. He wants us to rest. Who lived in the sea when they uh, lived in the sea, bought in fish of all kinds and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. Uh, Christians, I'm going to challenge you today. Don't go to stores on Sunday. Don't go. I mean, this is something I was thinking about while I was preparing this message. I shouldn't go to stores on Sunday. You know, I go, try to go to, what do you want on Sunday? You want good food, don't you? And so I, we, like, about a dozen times, let's go to Kurtzweil's Meats. Is that how I'm saying it? I'm not from here. Is it Kurt? Let's go to, was it? <laughs> Kenny, read aloud. Kurzweil's. 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 Let's get some good meat. Let's get some good food at Kurzweil's. And I go in and they're closed. What? And then I go to the library and I try to return my books because I'm busy. I'm busy throughout the week, so I'm getting it done on Sunday. And I take all the little DVDs we rent and I try to put them in the book return. And they say, "Does not do not put in book return." I say, "What? Don't they know I'm busy? I need to." And then we go up to Chick Fil A. Can't you just, man? Can't you just taste it right now? And they're closed. What are these people trying to tell me? What's wrong with them? What are they trying to tell me? They're trying to tell me to go home and don't disconnect them from the Lord. Don't make me work. I need my family. I need the Lord. Stop it. Stop it. And as Christians, I'd encourage you to stop it. Stop going to places to eat on Sunday. Go home. Don't make those people serve you. Don't go to stores on Sunday. Now, you might own your business. Own your business. I've got to have people work on Sunday. In the ancient world, you didn't work on the, or you worked on Sunday. You didn't have a Sabbath in the ancient world. Other cultures didn't have this. This is unique to Israel, especially for the slaves. Like I said, the rich people, they took a Sabbath every day. But the slaves, they didn't have to work. When God provides for Israel as they're going through the wilderness, he provides miraculous bread from heaven. And he says, the day before the Sabbath on Friday, I'll give you a double portion. That way you don't have to work on that day. What a step of faith. First of all, it's a step of faith for Israel to do everything. Step of faith for them to not, I mean, they're, they're, we, we get just bread for the day. What if it's not here tomorrow? It's a trust thing. Trust in the Lord. If you have to work on Sundays right now, I mean, I, I get it. I'm, I'm actually work, working right now, actually. <laughs> Let's quit and go home. No, Okay. <laughs> If you feel like you have to work on Sunday, you know, start taking steps of faith about God providing for you. If you're working on Sunday for the most part, unless you've got an idol of your career, right? You're trying to get that bigger house, get ahead, whatever. If you've got to make ends meet, take a step of faith. Look where you can take a step of faith. Is there anything that I can cut out? What if I cut this thing out and I'm going to see what happens? And see how the Lord provides. I know when I was younger, I didn't tithe because I didn't make enough money. I didn't make much. I remember one time my pastor challenged me to tithe. I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor at a church and I didn't tithe. So my pastor came and said, you need to tithe. It's like, easy for you to say. I've seen the budget. 
I've subtracted my salary from that line item. I know what's left, pal. But I started tithing. And I mean, since the time I've tithed, I, I've been so blessed, just absurdly blessed. And it took a step of faith. And it didn't feel good when I did it. I had to sacrifice. I mean, I was barely eating as it was. Now I had to go to the great value brands. By the way, they've gotten so good lately. They really have. I mean, now I got five kids, it's like all we buy. They're fantastic. Thank you, Walmart, for getting so good at that. When I was younger, they weren't good at that. Anyway, you take a step of faith and you see how the Lord will move and deliver. And you take another step. And it's my prayer that as you do this, and it's my confidence, it's so hard to, it's so hard to like preach a message like this to people who are having hard times making ends meet because it's a step of faith for me. <laughs> what if you do it and something goes wrong? I'm responsible. I'm not responsible, thank God. He's responsible. He's the one who gave you the command. If I was the one who gave you the command, you'd be in trouble because I'm not going to help you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But my phone is off on Sunday, so. <laughs> but the Lord gave you the command. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to do this to connect with him. This, this, uh, this is not, I'm going to say this not to make you feel guilty, okay? But turn to Exodus chapter 31. Many people will say, many people say that we don't have to follow the Sabbath. Look at how important the Sabbath was when it started. Look how important it was to connect with God when it started. Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. And let's keep going to 14 and 15. We read verse 13. Verse 14 says, You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Does that seem a little drastic? There are times in my life where I've read the Old Testament and I thought, God, you don't seem like you know what you're doing. Seems a little drastic. Every time I've ever done that, the problem's not with God's word, it's with me. Here he had people who didn't know him, and he was leading them to know him. What did they need to do to know him? They needed to connect with him. God needed to create a culture where people respected each other enough that they could sit there and they could connect with him and they wouldn't force each other to work and they'd actually take the time to know him and do it. What could be more important? And so he says, if you do this... you." You're going to be put to death. Now imagine dying for this. Next time you're going running around, putting in some extra hours on Sunday, imagine that this would be your life. That's it. It's over. You tried. You failed. It's done. It seems a little drastic, but what did the world need? They needed God. How are they going to get him? They got to stop, and they got to find him. If they don't, they won't know him. And if we don't, we won't know him either. Now, the different, we're not in Israel 3,000 years ago. We're in a different context. And so the punishment is different. But the point is still the same. It's still vitally important, absolutely vitally important to connect with the Lord. If we don't do it, we won't know him. As you think about your calendar and you look at your life and your faith and you look at your Sunday, why does my faith seem so weak? We'll start by that calendar. Look at that day. Look at the things you have on the list. All of those things are the things that are more important to you than connecting with the Lord. All of those things are your idols. One of the best ways to walk away from our faith 
is to start to make our Sundays about something other than God, and you'll stop connecting with him. Do you trust God? Do you trust God that in six days you'll be able to get what you need done? Do you trust him to take those steps? I feel like often we take what God has said, and then we take his word, and then we respond with our word. He gives us our, his word. It's good for you to stop. And we look at him and we say, well, God, here's my word. I've got it in the book of negotiations. Chapter one, verse 13. Five days I shall labor and do all our work. But on the sixth and seventh day are for us a Sabbath to our enjoyments and interests. On it we shall not do any work, but we shall also not rest because we're heavily invested in our social leisure and children's activities. If there's nothing more important going on, we shall attend a worship service for the Lord on the seventh day. But if one of our social leisure or children's activities conflicts with the Lord's Sabbath, we shall not go. For we are too busy. How does that sound, God? <laughs> These are a blessing to us because it's good. The Lord followed it. If you look at Mark chapter 2, the Lord followed the Sabbath. Jesus modeled it himself. People, some people say that we don't need to follow the Sabbath anymore. But we do. Jesus followed it. Mark chapter 2, 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the context is Jesus is hungry and he's going through a field and he's grabbing grain and he's eating it. And he was actually following all the Sabbath regulations when he did that. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse uh, 23, it actually tells us how we can do that. And Jesus was following exactly to the letter of the law, how to follow the Sabbath. Jesus was all about the Sabbath. At different points, they get mad at Jesus because he's healing on the Sabbath and they call that work. That's not work. That's good. If there is an emergency, the Sabbath is to be a blessing for us, as he says by this. This is for our good. If there is an emergency, we take care of it. If grandma broke her leg and she needs help getting to the bathroom, we don't say, sorry, grandma, it's the Sabbath. No, you, do, you take care of it. But the purpose of the Sabbath is, yeah, okay, you take care of what you need to take care of, but then you focus on the Lord. We're not here to be legalistic about it. My neighbor grew up as an Orthodox Jew, my old neighbor. One of the reasons he stopped uh, believing was because they had so many regulations and rules about the Sabbath. They had to unscrew the light bulb in their fridge the night before because turning on a light was considered work. So they had to unscrew the light bulb in their fridge because when they opened the door, that was work. They have ovens. The Jewish people actually have ovens that, you know, if you set, try to set your timer on your oven, it only goes like 12 hours ahead, right? But so they made special ovens that would go 24 hours ahead. So you could set it Saturday night and set it to turn on 36 hours from now or 32 hours from now so that you didn't have to turn on the oven on the Sabbath. Too much work. If you read Laura Ingalls Wilder, I was reading that, and back in the day, people were so serious about this. They were so serious. The kids couldn't move. They couldn't run. They couldn't do anything. Laura Ingalls writes, they must sit quietly and listen while Ma read Bible stories to them or stories about lions and tigers and white bears from Pa's big green book, The Wonders of the Animal World. They were allowed to look at the pictures and might hold their dolls nicely and talk to them, but there was nothing else they can do. One Sunday after supper, she could not bear it any longer. She began to play with the dog, Jack, and in a few minutes, she was running and shouting. Pa told her to sit in her chair and be quiet, but when Laura sat down, she began to cry and kick the chair with her heels. I hate Sunday! She said... And Pa put down his book, Laura, he said sternly, come here. And her feet dragged as she went because she knew she deserved a spanking. <laughs> what a different world. I don't know anybody who does this, right? I don't, I don't know anybody who's legalistic about the Sabbath anymore. Following the Sabbath is not legalistic. Doing some of this stuff is legalistic. But following Sabbath is not, it's good. 
It's real good. We don't follow it because it's legal. We follow it because we need to connect with Jesus. It's not made to stifle us. It's made to heal us. And we rest in worship and it's healthy for us. If we're sitting there and we've got all these other things in our mind, you know, instead of when I sit down, I, I think about the Lord. And when I pray too, I try not to think about my problems. Sometimes when you sit there, it, it's hard to have your prayer time, your devotions, because you don't, you know, you think of your problems, you get done, you almost feel worse because all you thought about your problems. You, know, you brought all your problems to the Lord, but you didn't actually think about the Lord, and so all you're left was with your problems. And I sit down on the Sabbath, and I, I sit there, and I think, I've got all this stuff to do or whatever, and I, I say no, and then I think about the Lord, not my problems. I don't think about my finances. I think about the one who provides. I don't think about my conflict I think about the Lord of all peace. And I get the electricity of the Holy Spirit. What a contrast. Satan's got me thinking about this. I'm going to connect with God. I'm going to do that. Instead of thinking about my health, I'm going to think about the one who heals. And all of a sudden, I've got that electricity of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be so serious about the Sabbath that we're miserable, but a day of rest does not mean filling it with other stuff. Turn with me to Isaiah 58. Starting in verse 13. If you turn your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Does that, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. You know, my kids, we go, uh, we love to go to the Mall of America. You know, we're from Minnesota. The Mall of America has got this great indoor park for all the kids. We love to go there and they go on all these rides and there's some of these rides that go high. There's the Guppy, Guppy Bubble Blast. It's from Nickelodeon. I don't even know what to say. The gu- Bubble Guppy Bubble Blaster or something. And it brings you way up and it spins you. And I mean, you're so high and you look down on little people like ants and it's so fun. You pay money to go on that. Like, I want to pay money to go on this. Right? I want to I ride on the heights of the earth. If we rest on Sunday nights, at physically rest, at best we'll be refreshed until what, Monday evening? But if we take delight in the Lord, that's where the strength comes from. If our faith is only about being strong enough, to, uh, if, our, if our faith is only about seeking God's strength for the day, then we'll always be weak. Right? We've got to get beyond our problems of the day. We've got to get beyond that. We've got to focus on who the Lord is and get true lasting strength. If we honor the Sabbath... And take delight in the Lord. He'll make us ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what is God calling you to do today? To change your day so it's unlike other days. How is God calling you to change your schedule so that you're taking this and using this tool for what God has given you to connect with him? If we could have, uh, we could have um, those elders and Annette come up and forward and pray. And if you want the Holy Spirit of God, if you're wondering where the strength is that we talk about, if your church worship feels like there could be some electricity in it, if you want to gain some ground, 
and get some electricity running through your house or your job, I encourage you to come forward and pray and we'll lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit. And you'll begin to feel that Holy Spirit, the indescribable, amazing peace and joy of the Lord. Let's pray.